Hello? Hi, Spencer. This is Zoe. Hey, Zoe. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, to start, I just want to give you a quick reminder that we are recording, just to let you know. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, so, all good? Yep. All right, I'm going to start. I'm going to give a quick intro, which should only take a couple minutes, and then I'm going to end it off with just welcoming you in. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. All right, perfect. Welcome to Getting to the Point. I'm Zoe Chrysostomides, your host for today. This morning, I'm here talking about the serious matter of mental health in college athletes. You may think that competing on a college level is exciting, which don't get me wrong, it most definitely is. But what are the consequences to competing at this level? We just finished enjoying the NCAA basketball tournament, which many of you know as March Madness, and it was very exciting to see college athletes competing on the biggest stage, or should I say court. Go Huskies! But what happens to the athletes on the road to competition? What are their challenges? And what support do student-athletes have when it comes to the issue of mental health? Joining me today on Getting to the Point is former student-athlete who just happens to play the same sport as I do, soccer. Spencer Powell, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have to be here today. And we're excited to have you. So I'm going to start off by asking you, your college collegiate career ended not too long ago. So why don't you start by telling us who you are and what you do now? Absolutely. My name is Spencer Powell. I played soccer at Adelphi uh, University down in Long Island, New York for four years between 2013 and 2017. And currently I work as a retention marketing manager for an apparel company called 100 Thieves. That's awesome. And do you still play soccer in your free time? Oh, absolutely. It's still a massive, massive part of my life. If I don't play for a week, um, I will start to get a little little crazy and feel like I need it in my life. So whether I'm photographing it or playing it, it's still very much in the front of my mind at all times. I feel the same. I can't get rid of it. (laughs) So I know you already covered what college you went to. So why don't you tell us why you wanted to play soccer at the collegiate level? Absolutely. Um, I mean, to be completely honest, I wasn't always the best student. And I knew that I wanted to further my education somehow. And for me, I was definitely a much better athlete than I was student. So um, being able to take my athletic ability and kind of roll it into my into my academic experience was something that I really had to lean heavily on. Um, so it was just, for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. If I wanted to continue to go to school, then I, I definitely had to keep playing. Um, and I was lucky enough to get recruited by a number of schools, um, Adelphi University, Franklin Pierce, and then UMass Amherst. And, you know, talking to friends and family, we felt that New York was the best fit for me. And it definitely was. We had a great group. It was a Division two school. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my entire day was just playing sports, although it was a good portion of it. But it was a great experience and one that I'll cherish forever, for sure. So I know you just kind of told us that a big challenge for you was your schoolwork. So why don't you describe a typical day in terms of what you had to juggle between classes and soccer? Oh, man. Um, yeah, so my day was a little bit crazier than most on the team just because uh, I was a goalie. So we would wake up probably 5.30, 5.45. Goalie practice started at 6.45. So you had to be on the field ready to go at 6.45. And that was before the team, the rest of the team got out there. So we'd have our goalkeeper training until 8 when the rest of the team joined us. 
And then from eight to 10 o'clock, we'd have team practice. Once team practice ended at 10, that's when we could go grab breakfast and get to our first classes. We go to class from usually 10 to one. And then from two to three thirty or two to four o'clock, we'd go to our um, strength and conditioning sessions. So whether it's just an extra running session or lifting weights, it was, it was a lot to take to take in all at once and then once that ended you know you hit the shower grab a quick snack and you're back to classes from five to eight thirty nine o'clock depending on your major wow that does seem like a lot so it kind of sounds like your day consisted most of soccer how did you fit schoolwork into that it definitely took a toll it was very difficult to find a balance but i think the school did its best job to to put a system in place for us to say, okay, you guys have been training a lot because they wanted to make sure that we are focused on our academics. A big thing that Adelphi would always say is that we're student athletes, not athlete students. So um, we knew that we were there for school first and athletics second. So it really just came down to a lot of knowing yourself and knowing what you're able to do For me, I know that I get a lot of work done between the hours of 10 p.m. and around 1 a.m. So that's when I would really kind of go into high gear and just do most of my work for that week. There were definitely a lot of uh, Red Bulls flowing those (laughs) those days. (laughs) Definitely. So since you just ended off on that note, I want to now get into the topic, which is why I have you as a guest. And that is the discussion on mental health and student athletes. So why don't you name a time where you recall being extremely stressed as a student athlete? Oh man, I could tell you many a times. Um, so I think the big one here is my junior year of college. We had just finished the season. Um, I picked up a pretty, pretty decent injury in the last game of the season and I wasn't in a super great headspace. Um, I wasn't having as much fun as I used to have with soccer. And, you know, after every season you have those, um, postseason meetings with your coach and the coaching staff just to say, okay, how did you feel? What do you think you could have done better? Where do we want to work on in this upcoming off season? And I went into that meeting with my coach, not knowing if I was going to come out a member of the team. I just felt like I was very frustrating and I wasn't enjoying the game. And I always told myself that if I'm not happy and I'm, I'm not smiling while I'm playing, then something's wrong and I have to figure out what that is. So, um, yeah, I walked into that meeting and, just kind of put all my cards on the table, said, coach, I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying this. I understand that we had a really great season and we were winning and I played a decent role in that, but it's just something's changed and I have to take time for myself to figure out what that is. So um, I actually ended up walking away from the team for about a month and a half to two months and just trying to figure out what it is that I or who I was without soccer. I knew that it's not, I wasn't always going to be able to be a part of my life and having 23 24 brothers around at all times it's uh it can take a lot out of you mentally physically emotionally even just socially you know there wasn't really a time where you could go walk around campus and not see another teammate and just you know get wrapped up in something so you really have to put yourself first and for me i felt like i wasn't doing that so like i said i stepped away for a bit um was able to really just discover my passions and who I was outside of soccer. So for me, a big one was getting lost in photography. I was about a 30, 40 minute train ride away from New York city and just being able to wander New York city streets with a camera and take lots of photos was a great, great way for me to just express myself creatively and just completely kind of zone out from the world. So 
yeah, it was a very stressful time walking away from soccer and not knowing what was next. But luckily, once I did that, um, you know, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I was lucky enough that my coach is very understanding of that and allowed me to come back for the spring season. Um, and then we took over and had a fantastic final year. Uh, we won the regular season, the playoffs, we won a couple of trophies that year. And overall we set a lot of school records. So it was definitely one of those things where I look back and I'm like, yeah, it was the right call for me to figure out who I was outside of soccer and not just think about it all day, all night. Like I have been for the past, you know, 20 some odd years of my life. Wow. That is definitely a hard thing to choose between. How did you make that decision? Because for me, I know I would be restless thinking about that. So how did you... How were you able to choose between your mental health and your love for the game? That's a really good question. Um, You know, I don't really think there was a time where I sat down and thought about it, so to say. I think I walked into that meeting and said to myself, you know, however I'm feeling in that moment is what I'm just going to say to coach. And that for me was, you know, I think I do need to take a step back because as you're just worried, vomiting things out there, you start to realize like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not in the greatest frame of mind or maybe things aren't as healthy as I, as I had thought. Um, It wasn't until I made that decision to step away where I really started to dissect my mental health. And I got in contact with the school's um, psychology department and just started working with um, a therapist through that. And it was probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. I think from that point, in 2016, I've talked to at least a mental health professional once a, maybe once every two weeks for the past seven, eight years of my life. And it feels weird when I don't do it now. It's just become such a habit and something that I wouldn't have started had I not made that decision to step away. That's great. And I also know that you found photography helped you get away from reality. And that's something that you enjoyed. Do you want to talk a little bit about the moments you captured with your camera and how that made you feel great again and caused you to go back to the sport you love? Absolutely. Um, I think for me, like I said, being in New York and just being able to freeze little moments um, was something that I really overlooked. And a lot of people, this was kind of the time when Instagram was like starting to take off a little bit. Um, It wasn't super big, but it was you could get by with just your iPhone. So that's kind of how I started was just taking photos with an iPhone. And then I got a cheap little um, Canon camera, but you walk around New York city. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's uh, it is chaos at all times. You know, people aren't really looking at you or looking at the person around them. They're just so focused on their own little world that you can, I've never felt more surrounded by people and yet more alone at the same time. And that's something that really made me like stop and think of like, oh, okay, no one really cares what I do or, or how I feel when you're in the city. For me, it was just like, okay, how can I explore this? And being able to capture moments that people often overlook. So whether it's, you know, a little kid getting that first ice cream cone with sprinkles on it and taking that first bite, or it's a street food vendor who's cleaning off their uh, cart at the end of a long night. It's things like that where I was just like, oh yeah, this is, the kind of mundane things in life that you really start to appreciate. Um, And through that and just editing all those photos and staring at them for, you know, hours on end, I started to appreciate more the work and the grind that kind of went into playing soccer. And I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I definitely missed having stepped away. And it's, you know, you have those teammates beside you at all times that are going through the same thing. And it's like, yeah, 
this just it just felt right to go back. Yeah, so I actually am from New Jersey, so I've definitely been to New York quite a while, quite a few times. Um, and you explained it as there's so many people around you, but you feel lonely. Did you ever feel that way with your team? Um, I would say there was definitely a part where I felt, or a time when I felt that with them, with my team. Um, you know, those first two years when you step onto campus and you're, you know, you go from being, at least for me, it was a, a I was pretty well known when I was in high school, right? So going into those first two years and no one knows who you are. Your teammates don't care because they all have that same kind of edge and that same it factor, so to speak. And it's really just a battle of, of all stars being put together. And for me, it was a big reality check seeing I was used to having two goalies on a roster. And my first two years, I think we had six. So it was a lot to take in. And I was definitely in my head, a lot of those practices where I'm like, am I in the right uh, am I in the right place? Am I good enough to be playing with these guys? And, you know, it wasn't until I would say midway through my sophomore season where I really felt that I was at home and it wasn't even a certain game or a certain practice, but there was just those bonding moments of, you know, you're on a six hour bus ride and everyone playing card games or watching the same movie, throwing stuff at each other across the bus. And it's, it was one of those things where I was just like, okay, yeah, no matter what I, what happens on the field, I know that these guys are going to be a part of my life for forever. And uh, that's the way I want it to be. Moving on to college, did any of the teammates go through the same stress as you? You said that you walked away for a little bit, which was probably the best thing for you. But did you, do you think you influenced any of your other teammates to do the same? Um, I wouldn't say I influenced them to also walk away, but I feel like I definitely had an influence on people taking better care of their mental health. You know, once I came back to the team, and, you know, those first couple of weeks, everyone was felt like they were kind of walking on eggshells. No one wanted to know, or well, everyone wanted to know, Hey, what, what happened? Or why are you all of a sudden back here? Like you never left. And, um, my coach actually made me stand up in the middle of a team meeting and was like, all right, Spencer, you know, everyone, wants to know if you're actually here, or if you're just going to leave us again. So just break down what happened, your frame of mind and um, why you wanted to come back to the team. And it was a very difficult thing talking to, you know, 24 guys who I would say weren't necessarily, they knew what mental health was at this time, but it wasn't really a big topic like it is now. And just telling them, Hey, look, you know, I had a lot go on in my life in a short period of time. And I this last thing I wanted to worry about was soccer. Um, and, you know, after that meeting, quite a couple of guys came up to me and were like, hey, you know, no matter what, we're always here for you. You know, we have your back. It's something that everybody goes through at some point in their life, and you just happen to go through it sooner than most people. So don't feel bad. We know that coach wants to put you um, kind of in the doghouse for what you did, but we're not going to hold that against you. As long as you're here for us, you know, we're going to be here for you as well. So that was always refreshing. And knowing that I could share that same sentiment with the guys um, was a big part for me too, because you have those captains who are leaders on the field and off the field, but no one is really that leader in mental health. So I think that's where I kind of stood up kind of took a role and said, you know, we have these great resources at Adelphi. We need to make sure that we're taking advantage of them. That's awesome. And then at Adelphi, how did 
you help others get in touch with their mental health? Like, what were the steps that they had to take to get back on the right track? It was actually really easy. We had a great um, sports medicine department. And, you know, every team was assigned the same trainer for almost all four years unless they left or something along those lines. And I got really lucky that my trainer genuinely cared about who I was and, you know, my state. So I talked to them and I was like, hey, you know, I'm not really in the greatest frame of mind. And they referred me to our the general school's psychology department. And like they offer whether it's other students who are just learning and get there in the process of getting their degrees, graduate students who are, you know, going for their doctorates and PhDs, or it's just someone who already has that and is just looking to take on some extra client work. And it was all free of charge because I was a student and it was through the school. So just making sure, and it was something that I hadn't known about until I talked to, um, our athletic trainer and then telling, you know, telling the team like, Hey, do you guys know that we have this? We don't have to pretend like lifting weights is a good enough therapy because I know for some it is, but for a lot of guys, you know, we do need to talk and we do need to have those harder conversations. So, um, yeah, just spreading the word that those assets were there, um, was a big help, but I was also a part of the student athlete advisory committee. So I was able to really talk to not just my team, but the entire athletics department. Um, every student athlete across every team was required to attend at least one meeting. So I made sure to bring up mental health in every single meeting. And I think it kind of turned the tides of athletics at that school. That's really amazing. And it seems like it was really, really helpful in your life because you said that you still talk to somebody to this day, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Her name's Jess. Shout out to Jess. She is the <laughs> greatest uh, therapist ever. She, I've been working with her now almost, I think, four or five years. Um, and just, I w- wouldn't know what to do without her. Um, once I left school, I thought things were going to get a lot easier, but they did not. I, you know, I, My first job out of college was in the medical field, medical marketing, and it was a shirt, tie, gray cubicle, and I hated every second of it. So I would come home and just be in tears because I was like, I don't know what to do. This is the rest of my life now. You know, you have that midlife crisis at 22 and you start to you start to panic a little bit. But finding finding my therapist and working with her really gave me the strength and the platform and just base knowledge of realizing, okay, this isn't forever. I'm still young. Even if I was old, I could still make a change in my life. And, you know, as long as I'm happy, then that's what I should be doing. So, yeah, it's been a big help and something that I recommend to everyone in my life now. So you've had a pretty long journey with mental health, and it seems like right now you're in a great spot. So what advice would you give to me and other student athletes who are going through the struggles of playing at the collegiate level? The number one thing I would say is you have to put yourself first, right? I think if you, it's kind of like the age old um, adage of like, when you're on an airplane and the oxygen mask drop, you have to put yours on before helping anyone else around you. And I think that's true with mental health as well. You know, your friends come to you and you, and they can vent and they can ask for advice, but it doesn't, it's no good if it's not advice that you would take. And it's not something that that you strongly believe in. Now, whenever a friend is like, Hey, can I talk to you? My first response to them is, Yes, but I need you to tell me what it is that you'd like from me. Is it, do you want just a shoulder to cry on? Do you want what I would do in that situation? Or do you just want me to also be angry with you so you're not angry alone? Um, And that's been a big help because, again, 
if I just want to vent it out and I don't really want advice from someone and then they start to give advice after I talk about my situation, I just get extremely frustrated and, you know, you feel like they don't get it. So just be honest with everyone around you, be honest with yourself and make sure that you're taking steps to get help if you need it. Um, I think a lot of people see going to therapy as weak or it's something that's frowned upon and it's not the case. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about other people and I really can't recommend it enough. That's amazing. It seems like therapy actually has really helped you grow and you kind of seem like a little therapist yourself. So I'll definitely keep that in mind. Spencer, I can't thank you enough for your discussion today. I know it definitely will help other athletes who are going through the same thing, and I know it has helped me think differently about managing my mental health as a student athlete. That's it for today at Getting to the Point. Thank you so much for tuning in. Getting to the Point is an affiliate of The Point, Fidgeberg State Students Newspaper. If you are interested in working on the podcast, register for our college newspaper production, ENGL3830. This is Professor Lisa Gim in English Studies. You're listening to Perseverantia, the Fitchburg State Podcast Network.